I've gotten a lot of, I, like, I just think that I, I'm just not interested in you. And that hurts, but it's like, oh, okay. Like, you're not into me. Not everybody is. <laughs> so at least I know, and it's not like, like, at least it's not God doesn't want us together, you know? <laughs> this is the Unsuitable Podcast, where I interview single Christians in order to broaden the conversation on singleness and expand our collective imagination of what is possible for the single life. I'm Mary B. Seyfried, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to be talking about being single and in the church, the good, the bad, and the awkward. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow, rate, and review so you don't miss new episodes. Get excited to hear from today's guest. Landon Swain is an author, viral content creator, speaker, playwright, and lyricist. Moved to compassionate action after seeing the overcomplexity of Christian dating culture, Landon spent his last few years at Liberty University researching, writing, and promoting his first book, which he believes can untangle some of the problems with Christian dating culture through conversation. Currently, Swain works in Pennsylvania as a staff associate with Young Life. In this episode, you'll hear about the weird ins and outs of Christian dating culture, the underrated value of clear communication, why Landon says if rather than when when talking about marriage, and how purity culture reinforces ring-by-spring culture. Before we dive in, I want to talk to you about our Patreon community. It's no secret that many singles feel like outsiders in the church. That's why we've created a Patreon community. For a small monthly fee, you can get access to bonus content, plus a community where your voice and presence are valued. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Sign up at patreon.com slash unsuitable. All right, now let's dive into today's episode. Hello, Landon. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. I'm so excited for our conversation. It's always nice to meet a fellow author in the very interesting world of Christian singleness. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting feeling. All right. <laughs> Before we dive into chatting about singleness specifically, I would love for you to give the people a little bit of context about yourself. If you could just give us a little blurb about your spiritual journey. It doesn't have to be low. It can be, <laughs> it can be expansive, but yeah. I just want to give the people a sense of where you come from, where you are now. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a Christian household, kind of a Bob Jonesy fundamentalist type church, uh, but learned a lot about God and Jesus in the Bible from that. Um, but didn't actually become a Christian until my sophomore year of uh, high school. I was cheating on a Spanish test, got caught, and then the gospel I had been learning my entire life made sense. Uh, and from that, it radically transformed my life. Um, I was already previously involved in Young Life, uh, but started taking it more seriously after that um, and was heavily involved in that throughout high school, got involved in the youth group my junior year of high school and was discipled by a guy named Jim Pepper, uh, who just really had me like fall in love with scripture, fall in love with God um, and be, uh, help me to learn how to be missional within my own school um, and really like model the fact that like I knew Jesus and uh, like loving others because I was first loved. Um, and so from there, was interested in being a youth pastor. My father said, I don't want you to starve to death. So uh, <laughs> you need to go to school for like a business degree or something like that. I get a youth ministry minor, which I ended up doing. Uh, I also got a creative writing minor. Um, and while I was in school, I 
uh, hosted this event called Coffee House, which was like a giant variety show the Liberty would do. And we did one show that was themed after late night television shows. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is this is awesome. So we decided to do a skit based off of John Oliver that was you take like a just a particular subject area, do a lot of research on it, and then make fun of it in order to prove a larger point. So we decided, oh, like let's make fun of like the dating scene at Liberty because it was just notoriously complicated and notoriously like just weird. Mm-hmm. And so it started off as like I put out some surveys and got a lot of like really honest feedback from people, hearing people's stories. And I had already like been really interested in the topic to begin with. Um, but after I got all the surveys, I reached out to some friends at some other colleges, got more of the impression of like stuff that people were saying, stuff that people were doing um, that was just kind of weird. Um, and then even found out that from my dad, that the same stuff that was happening uh, now was also happening back in his day. So this is a multi-generational, multi-regional, multi-denominational problem that largely hadn't been dealt with. Dating had been discussed by people like Ben Stewart and Jonathan Bakluda, but not like the ins and outs of the culture itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I originally was going to, it was going to be a skit and the pandemic hit. So then I was going to just write a couple of blog articles for it, for my job. And then I realized I had a lot there. So I was like, I got nothing better to do during the pandemic. So I wrote an entire book and mm-hmm. uh, it came out in October. So that kind of gives a frame of reference for how the book came to be. And then I moved to, uh, I live in New Jersey right now, but about to, but I work in Pennsylvania, about to move into Pennsylvania, work for Young Life up here and published the book while I was up here uh, within my first few months of being up here. So that's kind of like the, long and short of where I'm at, of like how I became a Christian, all that stuff and how the book came to be. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, could you just tell them what Young Life is? Yes. Young Life is a uh, ecumenical, I kind of don't like the term parachurch. It's an arm for the church. It's a tool for the church to reach lost kids with the gospel uh, through relationship. And it's very like going to people, investing in their lives. It's the type of kids Ideally, it's the type of kids that probably are not going to be going to a church, but they would go to someone's backyard and like hang out and have a bonfire or whatever. Uh, so a lot of my job is just going to high school sporting events and investing in the kids that come to our stuff. Uh, and then there's a built-in discipleship aspect uh, with that. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So it's a good time. You sort of touched on this as you were talking about trying to organize this coffee house, but I would like to hear maybe a little more specifically about your experience as a single person in the church. Yeah. I was kind of discussing this earlier today with somebody. I'm 23 right now, and part of the culture through different pressures and different things like that has really made me feel like being 23 and being single it's like I'm behind or that I'm missing kind of like the quintessence of what life is supposed to be. A lot of the church rhetoric has been very like marriage-based analogies, which those aren't bad. Like I'm not dissing marriage at all, but people tend to only present the parts of scripture that talk about marriage and kids and really, really highlight those things. And then if you're not married or don't have kids or even can't have kids, you feel very behind or you feel like you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my experience has largely been 
it's kind of been like a frantic, like hot potato feeling of like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like I'm running out of, especially when I was going to Liberty, uh, I had a professor who, a professor I love to death, but he told us, if you leave this university without being married, being engaged or knowing who you're going to marry, you're making a huge mistake. And it was like, this is just a lot of pressure. I'm Mm -hmm. at that point, I was like 20 and it was like, man, like, I don't, I don't even know, like, if I want to do this major, much less like marry somebody. <laughs> and it, it's, it's a lot of well-intentioned, but well-intentioned people taking things way too far and emphasizing some things and under-emphasizing some things. Like, mm-hmm. people will really, really highlight, it's not good for man to be alone and take that to mean, oh, everybody's got to get married and they'll mm-hmm. take, um, be fruitful and multiply and say, that means everybody's got to have kids. But then they'll ignore Paul saying, I'd prefer that you be single. Mm-hmm. They'll ignore like Jesus saying like, no, nobody's really married in heaven. So yeah. it's like, what, like, and that's, that's, be, I think it's partially reactionary because of the way that sometimes cultural things have shifted away from a focus on the family. But a lot of the churches, then the pendulum swing has gone the opposite way and family becomes everything. Yeah. specifically getting married and then having kids. But then from uh, from talking to people and even my own like fears, I know people that they've gotten married and they're unable to have kids. Mm-hmm. And it's crushing for multiple reasons. One of them being like they, they've been told their entire lives that this is like, this is what you're supposed to do. That it's all about like getting married and having kids. And then it's like, well, I'm unable to be obedient to this. And so that's always like a a fear of like, in my own experience of, man, like, even if I, even if I get married, will I be able to have kids? And then what if I never meet somebody? Mm -hmm. And it's always this kind of like this crippling, like weight on your shoulders of like, man, I'm running out of time here to, to really get the ball rolling. So it's, my experience has been very hurried in some cases I haven't felt like I haven't felt like I've really been seen as a single person. Me less so. I'm I'm a, little, I'm a little bit chiller when it comes to relationships. Like, yeah, I'd like to be in one, but like, I'm not for the most part. I'm not like crushed by the weight of being single. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went on dates when I was in college, but did not like date anybody. But I I know plenty of people that it's it's a heavy heavy weight on them that they feel like they are behind. And they feel undervalued in their churches. There's a guy that's on my TikToks right now that is uh, causing a ruckus. And he's like talking about um, how, have you seen people that are uh, single their entire lives, like acting like there's something wrong with them? And that I feel Mm -hmm. like is a lot of the rhetoric of people in the church where their answer for everything is let's just marry them off. Mm -hmm. Uh, And singles, like young adults ministries are basically just like, they're basically set up to be everybody just end up getting married mm-hmm. uh, and platonic friendships are ignored. That, that That's probably the biggest experience is people kind of having a weird issue with me having platonic friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not been like my experience personally has not been super, super drastic, but I'm very grieved by friends that I know that have been very hurt by the dating culture and by what the culture has been telling them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A lot of that was super relatable. Um, I feel like you mentioned um, just now, like 
how um, platonic relationships were like not encouraged. Could you say a little bit more about your experience with that? Yeah. Um, most of my friends are women. I actually, <laughs> I actually live in a house of three women. Um, and there's always kind of this underlying issue of like, if two people are hanging out, there's got to be something going on. And I think that that's possible in a lot of situations. Like typically something does happen between two people that are hanging out, but like, there's also plenty of my friends that it's just like, like I called my friend Courtney the other day and there's nothing between us. It was just like, Oh man, I haven't talked to you in a minute. How are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm interested in knowing you. And there's great things that I noticed about Courtney. Like, like she's a great girl, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to marry her. And so it's, it's prevent it's because the church has sometimes acted like friendships between a man and a woman just can't happen. Like it, there's gotta be something deeper there. It's not kingdom minded. It's making people kind of like sect off into, I can only have attention into this if it's a romantic pursuit. And it's like, no, like I can just exist as a human being and I can learn from you. You can learn from me. There's something that we can feed off of each other. Uh, there doesn't instantly have to be some deeper thing there. Um, I, I like can't imagine my life without some of the, the platonic friendships that I have. They're mm-hmm. just like very, very precious to me, but yeah. some people would view that as, Oh, there's something deeper there. Or even like there's an issue with it, that there's like something like off about it. And I, mm-hmm. I disagree. I think that there's something very, very healthy um, about it. So yeah, that's, that's a bit of my experience. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, I feel like it's, uh, you know, I, I'm sure like all of these issues are multifaceted and layered and all of that. But I would say that's probably a huge factor. There is some hangover from like purity culture, which really, I feel like taught us to be of almost afraid of one another um, mm. as men and women. Um, but really also, I think, trained um, this mentality of viewing one another primarily through a romantic or sexual lens that there's like Mm. inherently something there or that if we're not like hyper vigilant all of the time, then it's inevitably going to devolve into some sort of like, you know, like that's definitely going to happen. Um, where like that is actually, I think, a pretty damaging message for both parties, right? It's like, there's not a lot of dignity, I guess. It's pretty objectifying, right? To view, like, to meet another person and to think, like, you know, automatically be considering them as, like, a a romantic or sexual object. And not that, like, you know, initial attraction and chemistry is a real thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I just mean like the way that we kind of train our eyes to see, to equate that with also with, um, a a threat. Yes. Yeah. The we're a lot of times training people to view people as, Oh, it's like you only matter to me if I'm like attracted to you. Yeah. You you only have worth to me if I can get something from you, whether it's a potential relationship or whatever. And it's like, no, like I have plenty of friendships that are just like you exist and I exist. The amount of people that tell me about their like romantic problems and like, (laughs) it's like not like a, oh, I'm actually trying to convince you to like me or whatever. It's actually kind of relaxing. It's a confusing world because it's not very common. uh, But it's, it's so beautiful for like me to just have friendships that are just like, oh, hi, 
hi Caitlin how are you like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's great to talk to you and I don't feel like there's like some weird tension that we're not talking about it's just we exist and I Mm -hmm. would love for you to basically be like the adoptive aunt of if I ever have kids I can but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the the mother of them you know like like people are like like there's value in people outside of whether they're a spouse or not yeah for sure do you have this issue where like if someone notices you getting like quote unquote too close to a female they'll either like ship you or like um or be like yo what are you yo what are you doing (laughs) like why are you not pursuing her or you know whatever yeah, it's come up a few times. Not with not all the time. Like there, mm-hmm. there's some situations that are just kind of like everyone's kind of clued into the fact that like it's just not like that. Like I have yeah. a this is this is a a, a recent TikTok that uh, I made was I'm I'm fairly good friends with a lot of my exes. Uh, like I just. Like one of them I talk to regularly, like every time I go back to Virginia, we go get dinner and we dated back in high school. So it's a little bit different, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like that. there's people are like, that's just such a weird dynamic. And it's like, I don't know, like, we're, like she, we broke up, but like, I still thought she was great and there was nothing messy with the breakup. So like, why not hang out? Like she didn't stop mattering to me just because we weren't dating any longer. Uh, and said, there have been people that have been like, asked like, oh, is there something deeper going on there? Not on my end. It's just like, oh, like she's great. Like I love hanging out with her and that just hasn't changed. And she's just a consistent person in my life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it it happens every now and then, but I think that's more natural. Uh, Mm -hmm. but definitely not every time. Yeah. So as you're navigating these relationships, like, how do you think about boundaries? How do you think about like, or is that just something you don't think about? Like, has there, you know, been a time when you're like, oh, I need to like check in with myself in this relationship and, you know, see how I'm feeling and all of that, you know, like, I don't know. That Was that a coherent question? No, yeah, I, th- I think I know okay. what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> there's been like a few times that something has developed with somebody. In particular, I'm thinking of one time, like, me and this one girl like hung out uh, just a whole bunch and then eventually she told me that she liked me and I really didn't up until the point that she told me that she liked me I didn't really have an an idea I just thought we were hanging out and it was like I was like I don't what's the point of having a boundaries conversation I don't think that there's anything going on I Uh think that and I might just be weird in this I just kind of it's probably like a more traumatic response or something like that. I more have the base assumption that people don't like me on a romantic level and just go from the, oh, we're just being friends. And then when it gets into the romantic level, it's like, ah, I got news to me. (laughs) So it's it's probably like, it's definitely unique. um, And I'm not sure that everyone can do it. But for me, it's just like, if I feel like, maybe something is happening that's weird uh like i'll address it uh because okay. i think that communication is better than no communication sure, um sure. like there's the clarity that comes with it but most of the time it's like i don't feel like there's anything to communicate on or to clarify I just kind of yeah. like i'm under the base assumption that like no we're just hanging like yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and because i value platonic friendship so much it's like that's perfectly natural for me yeah 
Yeah, that's interesting. I also sort of operate off of the same assumption in my <laughs> like relationships with guys. And um, uh, yeah, there maybe is something else, uh, something deeper there going on with me as well. But like, it, I do also think there's something to the idea of like, um, I don't know, I just I personally get a little bit um overwhelmed or socially anxious when it comes to when I feel like I have to read between the lines and I have to look for all of these like signals and signs that are not like someone just out like coming out and saying hey I like you you know like that is very stressful to me and so I don't want to do that I want to like operate under the assumption that like it's totally platonic and if there is like it's not necessarily my job to like be policing that for them it's their job to like come to me if if you know the if it's you know a thing or like on my end if i start developing feelings then and i want to do something about it it's my job to communicate that to them you know as opposed to expecting them to read you know whatever like i'm not a subtle person so there would not be subtle signals at all but you know like try to read between the lines or whatever <laughs> yeah I, I a big like relationship thing that i've noticed that is not healthy is when people are like he or she should have known that i did want them to do like that i if, if someone's like oh like i don't want anything for christmas i don't want anything for valentine's day and it's like oh they should have known this Mm-hmm. That I did actually, even though I said the exact opposite. That's not good communication at all, and you're setting somebody up for failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I honestly like. I think that I. I think if if I was conden- to condense the message of the book down into one little spiel, I think it would be take personal ownership of whatever you are communicating and communicate. Like actually mm-hmm. do it for clarity, uh, mm-hmm. because especially with things like dating apps and everything like that, it's like. I, you can match with somebody and that can mean nothing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so hard to like figure out anything. And the kind of the, the theme of the generation is we don't really know what we are. And it's partially because like people just don't communicate what mm. people are actually in the situationships. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, it just shouldn't happen because it should be like, all right, what are we, where, where is this going? What's, what's happening here? And it's just because people are scared to communicate stuff. It's yeah. risky and it's terrifying to communicate, yeah. but there's so much peace in like knowing, oh, like this is where you stand, this is where I stand. Um, yeah. A good re- because I listened to the, all the critiques of the people that were sharing their experiences with me. Uh, one thing that like people got really frustrated about was I didn't know where they stood, and or like a breakup came out of nowhere. And like me taking that and saying, hey, like I'm going to actively communicate like, hey, like this is where I'm at exactly right now as far yeah. as like we went on a date. I had a good time. I'm not positive that like I want this to be like a forever thing. I'm mm-hmm. still feeling that out. I would still love to go on dates with you so that I can help figure that out. And I yeah. feel like that clarity of like, yeah, that, that, <laughs> I'm not exactly 100% there yet, but I'm getting somewhere. I'm still thinking through this. I feel like mm-hmm. that clarity helps so much and relieves so much anxiety from people. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, as a, a person who is very conflict avoidant and just avoidant <laughs> in general, <laughs> I uh, will still say that it is better to know 
um, than yeah. to like, you know, like have the um, for me, it's just my brain like incessantly trying to fill in the gaps and in information. So I feel like a little bit more control over what's going to happen or or whatever. And, you know, it is really better to just kind of rip off the band-aid sometimes and just put it out there and see what happens and realize, oh, I didn't die, even though I felt like I was going to die. Like that, you know, like whatever the answer is, whatever the result of this is, I can, uh, you know, there's a, a way to deal with it. And it might yeah. be painful. It might be uncomfortable um, for any number of reasons, but you know, it's I'll, better I'll drive know. myself crazy with all the theoreticals of like, yeah. what do they mean by this? And I, it's just like, I, I spell it out for me because I'm yeah. semi an idiot and stuff like that. I can't, I'll assume you meant one thing and you meant something completely different. I'm not good at that kind of stuff. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people aren't. I think so too. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if this is like a, uh, byproduct of like rom-coms or like just there being so much about like, romance like just this obsession with romance in in like general culture church culture like all of it um but like just so much in our imagination is at least for me like has is still very drawn to this narrative of like being so connected with someone that you don't have to communicate all of these things and they just oh, know what's so going on and all of that <laughs> and it is a really nice idea like it would be great if i didn't have to communicate my feelings because half the time i don't even know what they are but like you know what that's not unfortunately maybe not unfortunately but that, that yeah probably for the best um that's not how it it works right so i think yeah. we like want to buy into this idea that lets us off the hook from these like uncomfortable conversations or yeah. or whatever yeah it's just just communicate <laughs> like just make it clear clarity is like one of the greatest gifts you can give somebody uh mm -hmm. for yeah. for so many like for for a breakup for so many things there's a lot of people that i know like um i talk about in the book there's a lot of people that will use very spiritual phrases to break up mm -hmm. with somebody like mm -hmm. oh i just didn't have peace about this and i'm not like taking away from that i think that that can be very legit but I also recognize that there's a lot of, like, I know a girl, she said that to one of my buddies and then I was in a car with her months and months later and she was like, oh yeah, he was just really weird. And it was like, well, okay, well, he doesn't know that he's really weird on a date. It's like, he yeah. has nothing to learn from. So he's yeah. just going to keep making the same mistakes that he made with you like all the time. And you gave him no clarity. You just used some like pious, like spiritual sounding whatever and there might mm. be a grain of truth to it but like you knew why you didn't have peace about it tell mm -hmm. him that yeah. um and i get that there's like extreme situations where people will use spiritual phrases because they feel like that's all that somebody will listen to or they feel like they're fearing for their safety but i'm talking about like normal situations of like you just are breaking up with somebody or like mm -hmm. you're just saying this doesn't want to continue uh, the, the communication, it hurts like that truth would definitely like hurt my buddy, but mm -hmm. at least he would know. And then he has something to improve on. Yeah. Um, yeah. have you ever like received or given feedback like that to someone? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've gotten a lot, I've gotten a lot of, uh, like, Hey, like you're great. Um, I just am not really into like, I, like, I just think that I'd 
I'm just not interested in you. And that hurts, but it's like, oh, okay. Like, you're not into me. Like, not everybody is. <laughs> so at least I know, and it's not like, like, at least it's not God doesn't want us together. Sure, you know? sure, sure. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what did I That do? escalated yeah. so quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, come on. Like, what does God have against me that he doesn't want me to be with somebody, you know? But yeah. at least it's like, okay, you're taking personal ownership of this. And I know yes. that this is like a you thing. Yeah. Or just like a, maybe it's like, we just didn't click. Um, yeah. And that's, it hurts. Cause it's like, well, darn, I feel like I'm everybody's cup of tea, but obviously I'm not. And it's like, okay, at least it didn't work out. I mean, like yeah. I, I got the experience of a date, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like um, it would be, be very difficult for me to give someone that kind of a, like you're just really effing weird um feedback. I obviously I would not say it like that but it would be very uh, hard to hear that and hard to give that kind of feedback unsolicited if they were to ask you know that's another yeah another matter altogether but I do yeah. think there's a lot to be said for at the very least like not offloading you know you something that's really just you it's not clicking you know what i mean onto our lord yeah and there's wisdom and discernment in what like i don't have to go into every single detail about like oh yeah. like the way that you um like chewed your fingernails like i don't have to like yeah. rally off a bunch of lists or whatever but if yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. hey you were really like you were really rude to our waitress uh, at dinner like that, that's like a, okay, I had no idea that I was really rude to the waitress at dinner. That is something to improve on. And that's like tangibly, like, this is why sometimes it's hard to articulate why exactly like you just don't want to be with somebody. You're just like, I just don't have a connection and you're not able to like properly articulate the ins and outs of that. And that's fine. Yeah. But at least you weren't like cosmically, God's got something against you and I, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. Why does why did that? Why did he? Why does God care so day. much about this? <laughs> it's just Applebee's. Yeah, come on. It's just Applebee's. <laughs> no, don't take her to Applebee's. Take her. Take her. Take her to a fine establishment. Take her like to Chili's. Chili's. Oh, I, yeah. If you're gonna take somebody on a date, have it be good for both of you. You know, like do do yourself right by taking them to Chili's. Two for twenty? Are you kidding me? That's just economic. Oh, you heard it here first, folks. Chili's. <laughs> we'll get back to the conversation in a minute. First, I want to tell you about one of our season's sponsors. If your relationships are struggling or broken and you want them to be healthier, Be Known the Podcast with Kara Fabacher is a great place to start. She discusses boundaries, healthy expectations, safety and trust in relationships, forgiveness, the ending of relationships, self-compassion, and more. As a licensed counselor and certified life coach, Kara loves helping people get their relationships back to a place of wholeness and authentic connection. She brings her life experience, clinical expertise, and her faith to each and every episode to give listeners what they need to have good relationships with themselves, with God, and with others. You can find Be Known, the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And you can connect with Kara on Instagram at Kara Fabacher or at her website, karafabacher.com. All right, let's get back to the conversation now. So to get back to your book, something that I noticed in your writing, which is something that I also do, is that you use like if language when talking about like your own like future potential future marriage versus like when like so you would say 
if I get married versus when I get married, which is something I also, you know, try to do. But I can see how some people might see that as like defeatist or not being hopeful or whatever. So could you just talk a little bit about the nuance of like holding that hope for a spouse, but also not living like it's a guarantee for you? Yeah. Um, For me, the statistical reality of not everybody getting married um, is kind of humbling. And I, I would, I would hate to promise people something that isn't actually promised from God. And I think a lot of churches and probably well-meaning people act as if a spouse is promised and it's just not. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's a statistical reality and that's just a reality of life. So I use the if language because it's like, I don't know, it could. Like, I mean, I'm 23 right now, so I I got some time. Uh, mm-hmm. I have literally the rest of my life to potentially get married to somebody. And it's something that I'm pursuing. Like I'm, I'm like trying to go on dates and stuff like that and, and be like casual in it, but like have intention and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But I mean, really like I, it's two imperfect people trying to make an imperfect thing work by an imperfect method. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is not dependent upon me. So mm-hmm. like another person can break up with me and it's like, there's so many unpredictables that are not just like, it's not all on me to just get yeah. married. Um, but I use a lot of the if language because it's not promised and because it's fine if I don't. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it sucks as far as like, there's a huge like desire that I have in my heart that's not being fulfilled. But the scripture says that it's not good for man to be alone. And yes, God in that context gives Eve to Adam but that is not instantly the prescription for all people. You yeah. see it with we see it with John the Baptist, you see it with Jesus, you see it with Paul. They were surrounded by community and there's no mention of a spouse. There is a whole theory that Paul was married at one point in time due to like a cultural thing, but even still, he didn't remarry. The man was surrounded by community. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the core of what's going on. We aren't meant to be isolated creatures. My yeah. life isn't less because I'm don't have somebody holding my hand. I say in the book, uh, and I'm really proud of this line actually, is uh, my worth is not determined by who is holding my hand. My worth is determined by who made my hand. Mm-hmm. And I th- that sounds very like poetic or whatever, but I truly believe that because yeah. my life doesn't begin once somebody has a romantic interest in me. Because then what message am I communicating to somebody that um, somebody that that is has had like a, a major car accident and is, is paralyzed or whatever, like can't communicate, whatever, like has a really hard time on dates. What am I communicating to them that if they're a- unable to get a date, that they're like, their life is somehow lesser because yeah. they're single. Uh, what right. am I communicating to um, the, the person that has gone on a million dates and has never been able to find somebody good. Uh, mm-hmm. The person that gets cheated on, the person who's about to get married and then their uh, fiance tragically passes away. Mm-hmm. What are we communicating to people? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, the if language, I don't think it's defeatist. I could see how that some, like a, one person called me out. They were like, you're fear mongering. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I am. I think I'm more just saying this is a reality and I can yeah. prove it statistically. And the reality isn't that scary 
when you keep in mind community. If you yeah. live, if your entire mindset is fixated on I have to get married and then you're unable to get that and you have no community, then yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's terrifying. I, mm-hmm. I fear for you. But if I have community, it's like, great. Like I can still make disciples. That's mm-hmm. my primary calling anyways. So I, I, I'm careful about the language that I use because there's a lot of nuance in it. But man, like life isn't all about romance. Yeah. Uh, and, and kids and stuff. They're great. I'm not undermining that at all, but it's not the peak of existence. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, challenging to kind of hold on to that when so much around us is pointing to like that being the case. Right. Um, and it's so interesting that someone called it fear mongering, because I do think that that kind of points to a deeper reality or a deeper, like, um, I don't know, cultural conception of what long-term singleness is like in the church that, you know, there's a lot of friendship not being necessarily as prioritized in a lot of cases and like how much like structurally the church is set up to cater to families. And I think like that description of it as fear-mongering is telling in and of itself. Mm. Yeah. It's like, what, what exactly are you scared of? Yeah, that like the art, like the, and the, the two issues kind of feed off of each other where we don't really value platonic friendships feeding off of like that fear of like being alone or whatever. Right. You're not really, if you have platonic friendships or just friendships in general, you are not alone, but you're yeah. fearful that you are alone if you're not married. And the two are very intricately connected. Yeah, for sure. Something I want to make sure we uh, touch on is um, something that you mentioned a few times in the book, and especially if anyone's listening who's um, maybe still in college, a little bit younger, or freshly out of college. Um, uh, you know, you talk about the ring by spring culture and that <laughs> being a huge thing at your college. And, uh, you know, probably most, if not all, Christian universities, probably other ones as well, just generally speaking. I'm curious what kind of helped you cope with that very insidious, ever-present um, pressure while you were like in college experiencing that? In college experiencing it, part of me wants to say I didn't really cope with it. It was kind of like an upsetting, like, man, like I'm, I'm a senior and I didn't really like truly date anybody while yeah. I was in college and uh the a professor that told me that like I was making a mistake with it it was kind of like yeah. man I it was like a lot of regret and I get his point about like really like as someone that is looking for a Christian to to be in a relationship with really like that's the largest pool of people I'm ever going to find um so I get that but I I think I didn't cope in one sense because it was like a oh, man I feel like I'm running out of time here and then Another part of me did cope by realizing that, like, there's Christians all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> we're a, we're a pretty rambunctious bunch, and so we're everywhere. And I know plenty of people that didn't meet their spouse in college. And also seeing, also seeing the reality of the amount of people that I know that got married to somebody and then they were divorced just a very few years later. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like a okay. I think I'm fine. 
Um, yeah. And that's not something that I root for for people. I, I don't care how long people are, are dating before they get engaged or how long they're, I don't care how long it takes you to get from point A to, to, to marriage. You know, like regardless, I want you to thrive. Mm -hmm. um, and I've seen people thrive in regardless of those five years or like five months of dating um, mm -hmm. before they got married. Uh, but I think that, I think that seeing some of those, some of the mistakes that people made really made me be fine with the fact that I'm not. Cause mm -hmm. I'm like, man, I, I don't know myself. I've learned so much about myself since I moved that part of me would be really terrified if I was married to somebody. Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I would know who I truly was with this, mm. much less who this person is. And I feel like a lot of people make the decision of marriage based off of idolization of sex. Mm. And that that's something that's like, it's kind of controversial to say. And I'm not trying to be like grotesque when I say like, I think that a lot of people are just horny and yeah. they're making a decision based off of, oh, like we've been dating for three months and there's not really a whole lot of issues. And the biblical like framework for where that's supposed to take place is within a marriage. Let's just cut to the chase and get to this really enjoyable thing. And that's a, it's a good thing. But as David Marvin from the porch points out, if you spend 30 minutes, I think it's 30 minutes a day or something like that, having sex, it'd only be 1% of your year. And mm -hmm. a lot of people I feel like are motivated really, really primarily by the 1% and they're making a lifelong commitment based off of 1% of their time when there's 99% mm -hmm. of their time to consider and who to consider that with. It's more about the who than the what you get to do. Yeah. Because even once you get into marriage, the amount of people that have told me their stories about like, hey, I found out that I have a condition that makes sex a very painful experience. And I mm -hmm. didn't know before I got married. Yeah. Or the amount of people that are going through traumas and different things like that. It's like, man, you can't make a decision for a lifelong commitment based off of something that might not be there the mm -hmm. entire time. Because people go through different things. Um, people go through medical crises, uh, crises. Um, people just aren't feeling it. Like there's a lot going on there. That's mm -hmm. like, I, you can't make that decision. Um, yeah. I don't know that's kind of a side tangent with the Ring by Spring culture, but I do think that those two are directly attached. And I think yeah. that a lot of Christian colleges really promote the image of like the couple that is married really, really young. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a couple being married young, but it definitely is put up on a pedestal. And that sets up a lot of people not for success. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like, I, I think that in many ways, it's probably easier, uh, easier, relatively speaking, <laughs> right, to just tell people to get married versus actually teaching sexual stewardship, mm. right, which is a very messy, like, potentially awkward conversation to have that's like, you know, has not been done well in the past and all sorts of stuff. I think it's something that we're maybe becoming more and more aware of and have more and more language for this idea that like, oh, actually, like, getting married doesn't mean that like all of your issues with sex go away. <laughs> like, I don't know exactly where that idea came from. Like, it's something yeah. I definitely had for a, a long time that like, you know, all of a sudden magically, like, it's just, you're just going to know what to do and it's all going to be great and it's all going to be fine. No, it's like something that you have to like 
learn and something you have to steward even once you are married and like actually having sex. Yeah. Talk. I actually just read talking back to purity culture, which is fantastic. And they talked a lot about the purity culture movement of how a lot of the messaging of things was so long as you are sexually pure, your marriage will be like happy and thriving and all this stuff. And then Mm -hmm. it's just like, that's not the reality of this whole thing. Um, So a lot of it, I think is very much rooted in purity culture. Um, Mm. And I, I am, I'm glad that we're, the church is becoming more mindful of this conversation and having it a little bit more people go about it some weird ways yeah. and not every way that people go about it is good, but I am glad that they're at least having the conversation, but some people are very, very strange with it. Like yeah. it, I'm, I have a TikTok idea that I'm going to make soon of um, the pastor that gets really, really overly excited about preaching through song of Solomon uh, because it's been, it's been weird. I've seen David Platt, I think does the best job of like, he like giggles a little bit. Like he's like, he realizes it's like a funny whatever. Um, but he like handles it. Not like really like a lot of people like really sexualize their own experiences. Like, and like, they mm. like are telling us details about like their own marriage. And it's like, I don't need to know no. about your wife that way. I need to know that. Um, I get where you're coming from on stuff, but like, I don't need to know her as whatever. Like, yeah. And, and that's a language thing for a lot of pastors that they need to like realize that like, really, you're just, you're not really helping by doing yeah. that. You're actually just creating more problems by like really, really highlighting the sexual part of a relationship and yeah. not highlighting the fact that there's so much more to marriage. And I know that someone's going to say like, how on earth do you know you're single? Married people talk. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's so easy to observe and read about. Um, like you don't have to be married in order to get some of these experiences. I think that there's a lot of things experientially I don't know because I'm not married, but there's a lot of things that I am able to understand just by observation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you could also kind of turn that on its head and be like, okay, well, you're telling me how to be celibate, you know, and like I'm 32 now. Like, how do you know? You got married when yeah. you were like 22, 25, whatever. Like, <laughs> so how do you know how to, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. These people that are like, oh, when you were fully content in God, then he'll send you a spouse. And it's like, you, you weren't content and you got a spouse. Like, yeah. like who are you? What are you trying to tell me? Like, what yeah. what advice can you give me about like being content in your singleness when you got married at like 20? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there's, yeah, a lot to be said for that kind of well-meaning but tone deaf like oh i'm gonna tell you versus listening to you and like maybe i have something that i can learn from you and from what you're struggling with and maybe together we can we can work out what is best for for you and what is best for you know your health and your uh spirituality and and all of that all of that kind of stuff uh well landon this has been fan fantastic we do have to wrap up so i have two last baby questions for you all right first is how can we support you where can we find you on the interwebs where can we get your book etc uh you can find the book which is detox christian dating an examination and detoxification of christian dating culture on amazon Uh, make sure you use amazon smile so nonprofit benefits it's available in paperback and 
ebook formats. Potentially might work on a audiobook format that I put out on Spotify, kind of for free, but that that would be down the line. Um, socials, uh, detox Christian dating for uh, on TikTok and Instagram, uh, as well as Facebook, but I don't really use it. Um, might be changing that soon. Actually, I'm planning mm-hmm. on releasing some more books, and I'm like, okay. This book is not about dating. Uh, the next book I'm working on is a uh, Bible study on Philemon or like a conversation starter on Philemon. So I'm like, that has nothing to do with dating. So I'm like, might have to change the name to my name. So if you're just looking for like me in general, just look up uh, Landon Swain and I'm sure something will come up and you'll eventually figure out my stuff. So uh, yeah. Great. We'll put all of that in the episode description. So it's nice and easy for people to find and remember. Last but not least, Landon, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? Ooh. Um, one thing that's hard right now is my job a little bit. Um, we're, we're a startup ministry. We're trying to get things up and going. Uh, there's been a lot of like transition. Um, we, we lost a lot of kids that graduated. Um, and so it's just it's a bit of a rebuilding time period. Uh, and startups are just difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get like personally fundraised on all my stuff. So it's, it's just a lot. Uh, but there's been, it's been a lot of cool time to like really like see myself grow professionally, um, which has been really nice. Uh, and that's been great. And the other day I had like a, they gave us in, in young they gave us what they call a day away, uh, which is just the time to like go do something fun, go do something that's very life-giving for you and like, journal and read and, and really like assess where your heart is at spiritually. And I went to Princeton, New Jersey and like was in their theological library, which is gorgeous. And I went to a church on campus and just like prayed. And like, I'm not a very like feely kind of like spiritual person. Um, my faith is very um, kind of emotionally numb a lot of the time, but I like, I don't know, I cried. I, like I was just really like overcome with like the beauty of, of grace and, um, like who God is. I don't know if it was the pancakes that I had that were really good, but like, I don't know. It was just like a very like emotionally driven day and it was nice. And it was like very cathartic and I, you just need that every now and then. Awesome. Well, Landon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Podcasting is a great way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout makes it easy to get started. If you follow the link in the show notes, you can get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and you can help support the show at the same time. You can follow Landon on Instagram and TikTok at Detox Christian Dating. His book, Detox Christian Dating, is available on Amazon. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to rate and review. To stay up to date on all things unsuitable, follow me on Instagram or TikTok at marybee.saferit or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at marybesaferit.com. Unsuitable is produced by Studio Aplum. Sound engineering is by me, Mary B. Saferit, and the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you on the flippity flop.